Welcome to Brunch of Thrones, where three pals talk about the latest episode of Game of Thrones. I'm so excited! Although probably for different reasons from everybody else. I'm excited because, like the Starks of Winterfell, the trio is together again here at Brunch of Thrones. Yes! Yes. I want to be Arya. I want to be the murderous one. Uh, I'll be Bran. I just want to stare at my brain device and tell you guys stuff that I found there. So, I have to be Sansa? You're Sansa because you're in charge. You're the lady. We defer to you. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about Sansa. She is she has been greatly redeemed by this episode, but I don't I don't know if I want to be her. Yeah, we're a separate trio. We're a bunch of thrones trio. So guys, what did you think of this episode? Oh my gosh, but it was just family reunion everywhere. The Hound reunites with Freyette, and they talk about their little murder baby, Arya. Patrick reunites with Tyrion. Patrick reunites with Bronn. Jamie reunites with Brienne. Oh my gosh. I was just, you know, had all these tears, and I was just going, kiss, 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 the whole time. Wait, what? Who's kissing who? I really want Jamie and Brienne to kiss. Really? You are Jamie and Brienne versus Brienne versus Tormund? I mean, Tormund is funny, but Jamie and Brienne are my OTP. Also, Tormund, Tormund clearly likes Brienne, but Brienne has never shown any affection back towards Tormund. Exactly. And also, Jamie and Brienne did have like a sexy hot tub scene together. That is true. Well, I don't think either of them felt it was sexy. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, what is sexy in Westeros? Mm, boats, apparently. Talking about loyalty, have you seen the online meme where Jamie says, fuck loyalty, and Brienne says, fuck loyalty, and the F, like people who, like me, are Jamie and Brienne shippers are like, oh, just fuck each other, please, please. That's a lot of armor to get off. That would, that would take like 20 minutes, and it would ruin the mood. It's called foreplay. <laughs> In Westeros, that's how it's done. John and Danny didn't have that problem. They were both wearing just a lot of fabric. And then they were wearing nothing. I'm not a big fan of them two together. Neither am I. Yes, Tracy and I kind of talked about it last week where I just... Jon Snow. Tracy, you said it best where he's like a beautiful idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can get around to John and Danny. It's just that I needed them to help me. You know, like when a romantic comedy starts and you know they're going to end up together in the end, but what makes you like the romantic comedy is if you like that the journey that they took was fun and, you know, flirty or whatever. There wasn't really much of a journey with John and Danny. They just no. kind of looked at each other a lot. Yeah, and I, I was sort of going along with it by the end because I thought they had, like, just enough chemistry to eat by, but, like, not a generous amount, really. I don't think they had much chemistry. I feel like she should not be rewarding him for his current behavior. Stupidity? Yes, that that's not something where I think it's implied that she kind of slept with him because, like, he has, like, pledged loyalty to her and, like, blah de blah blah But I feel like they need, like, one more near-death experience before I think they should jump into bed together. I feel like there was a lot of implication also that Daenerys didn't know that he was in love with her. So we had that scene, I believe, last week where Tyrion says, like, oh, yes, men behave like heroes around you because they're in love with you. And Daenerys is all like, wait, Jon Snow's in love with me? Like, really? 
I don't know that I buy that. I mean, I think she was just being polite. You know, you don't want to be like, well, of course he is. I'm the best. <laughs> she had to have seen those gazy eyes. She <laughs> thinks she's the best, though. She does. I mean, yeah. her entire arc has been all these men who are trying to do it with her. But honestly, don't you feel like the scene where they finally start having sex with her was very reminiscent of the sex scene in Wonder Woman as well? Basically, there's like a door and they start making eyes at each other. And then there's this unspoken invitation to come into her room. Right. But I honestly thought for a second they would just fade to black. And I was like, seriously, you're not going to fulfill this for me? And then like next thing we see is Jon Snow's butt. And I'm like, all right, there we go. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was so weird. Where it's like one of those things where they're like, it's it's sexy because it's sex, but we're also going to do like a voiceover of Bran talking about incest. Yes, that was so weird. It's Thank you, Game of Thrones, for really pointing out that this is incest of the highest order. I think most people are more accepting of twincest because there is the trope of how they grew up together and nobody else can understand each other as well as they understand each other. But with aunt and nephew, this is really morally gray too because generally there's a power dynamic associated with the different generations but in this case they don't know that they're related and they're of a similar age well i honestly i mean this maybe is a bit of a digression but i honestly believe that incest is mainly creepy because it has that element of like i've known you since you were a baby and i'm supposed to protect you but instead this happens but John and Danny have never met each other until now, and they're both similar age. It's not like one is much older and one is much younger. Yeah, no one's being taken advantage of. Also, they're both Targaryens, and established that Targaryens are basically a royal family founded on incest. But how bad is incest if you don't know it's incest? Is it, like, worse, or is it better? It's better, because if you don't know, it means you didn't even grow up with that person, and there's no weird dynamic to it. So it's just like a biological squick, not really like a power dynamic squick. Yeah, but I feel bad for them for when they actually find out that they've been committing incest. Yeah, I don't know that they'll be pleased with that. I don't know. Do you think Daenerys is going to be that upset about it? I think Jon would be more upset because he's not only finding out that he accidentally committed incest, he finds out that he's not even who he thought he was. He has all this secret heritage that he needs to learn about and use to gain power, possibly. I think John, for what he is, is overly sensitive. It's been an entire episode about like who John really is as well, don't you think? Like the episode title is called "The Dragon and the Wolf," and we find out John is both dragon and wolf, like Theon. <laughs> uh, right, and also we had Cersei basically saying like. I trust John because he's Ned Stark's son. Mm, no other reason. If he wasn't Ned Stark's son, I would take back what I said. So keep that in mind, John. And John's just like, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. I was like, that's a compliment from Cersei if she were ever in the habit of giving out compliments. Yeah, but that was like bullshit. Like, if if he was like, sure, I of course I'll do that. Like, she would have found like another reason to throw a hissy fit. Well, that was the whole idea. She was always going to throw a hissy fit like towards the end. But right now it's all about superficial truces. Except John was so stupid that he doesn't even know about that because he's yeah. so bad at politics. Honestly, it is an episode where everybody's competing to be the stupidest person. Yes. Well, like, so like, I don't know, because like everyone's like, Jon Snow, what a dickhead. Which is true. 
But, like, the whole thing is, like, him, him refusing to swear allegiance to Cersei, like, that whole thing was, like, he fucked up. But later you learn that Cersei never was going to play ball anyway. So, like, can you fuck up if it's already not going to work out? If the deck is stacked against you and you messed up, does your mess up still count? It's possible she did that because she was pissed and... If Jon Snow had not pissed her off to begin with, she would have been in that moment of such fear, having seen the white for the first time, she would have stuck with her word. No, I think maybe she would have felt that in the moment, but then like two days later, she's like, oh, hormones. <laughs> right. Well, I think they wanted to at least get a verbal agreement from Cersei, even if they know that she's going to go back on her word, because at least they could point it out later on towards all the southern lords being like your queen does not keep her word is she a queen that you want to follow although i do think that john has a point where he's stupidly honorable but at the same time he has a good point it's like if we just went around lying like what do words mean anymore it's true although i would have lied (laughs) yes on that note i thought it was a little bit sad even though it was really great that like little finger died and all that like to win, like, to beat Littlefinger, the Starks have to act in an unstarky manner, and the Starkiest Stark is now a non-Stark. But it's going to be a new breed of Starks from this point on. I feel like uh, whoever it is, uh, probably Sansa, will be the first to kind of have children, and those children are going to be, like, in the Sansa school of staying alive with special training from Arya. And imagine what that upbringing is going to be like. Oh my god. <laughs> They're going to be super screwed up in the head i think like they have this weird uncle who just steers off into the distance all the time well yeah. do you think ned would have been proud of what his children had done because it was like not against the rule that it was against the rules like what they did they basically laid a trap for little finger hmm. that's a good question i think ultimately yes he would have been proud because they worked together like a pack and they protected their family And I think he also understands, especially the fact that he died by being betrayed by Littlefinger. I think he would be okay with them playing tricks to kill Littlefinger of all people. But all they tricked him into doing was showing up at his own court appointment, which he surely would not have done had he known about it in advance. Right. Like, he had a fair trial. It's just that he didn't have the opportunity to escape first. Yeah, and all the testimony are, like, things that everybody knows. It's not like they lied, really. They Mm. didn't sneak in. Well, Arya did sneak into the room, his room, but the evidence that she found in his room wasn't actually used in the court case. Right, and Bran snuck into time and space to find that evidence. So when do you think Arya and Sansa stopped fighting with each other and when it became an act? I think the whole thing was an act. So that's lying. No, because it couldn't have been an act for the camera. Like, there were scenes that I'm pretty sure nobody was spying on. I think all of the things we saw were legitimate. But after that, um, I saw somebody make a comment that they think that Bran came in and it's just like, what are you two doing? Don't you see what's going on here? But it could have been Sansa who suddenly figured it out due to Littlefinger's little advice, uh, assume the worst in people. Yes, mm-hmm. what a smoking gun. Right, or it could have been Arya who finally saw Littlefinger sneaking enough that she realized that he was playing up against each other. But I think it kind of doesn't matter. I'm willing to accept it as just a, a a loving reunion of Stark goals. And I was very angry, if you recall, about 
Arya's arc up until this point, but I could not have been more pleased with the way the episode played out. Like people sometimes say, I wanted to jump up out of my chair, and I'm like, I've never felt that, but okay. But I really was like, I gotta sit and watch this nicely and not just dance around the room, because Littlefinger <laughs> is like begging and pleading on the ground. Oh, it was so satisfying. Very satisfying. Oh my gosh. I gotta get a gif of that double take. I say that Arya and Sansa were in an act together because if you think about the last episode, Arya basically straight up told Sansa she was lying. She told her about like, oh, when I was training to be a faceless man, we played this game where we had to lie to each other and not get caught. Yeah, but why would they put up that whole charade? For who? Like, did they know that someone was peeking through the wall or something? I just had this idea that like, He paid some poor soul to be, like, on the roof, like, next to the chimney, like, listening in. (laughs) Right. I suppose this is one case where I don't feel the details matter. I know we were super nitpicking some of the details of last week's fight scene, but this one is like, if the Starks want to reunite, let them reunite. It's a beautiful moment. We must cherish it. Yeah. It was cherished. It was so beautiful. So I think, like, another theme of this episode is Cox. And do cocks rule? I think Theon proved that not having a cock was better. When I was watching that fight, I was like, I know that he's going to turn this around somehow, but like, if I was one of the guys watching, and I saw him (laughs) get beaten to a pulp, and then at the end he manages some trick that allows him to win, I'd be like, alright guys, we're leaving. Goodbye, Theon. I don't know that I would suddenly be like, I support him and all his endeavors. No. I thought it was going to be like a hunter-hunter scenario where like Theon is obviously going to lose because how can he fight against this guy who's like twice his size? But he's going to win them over with his scrappiness and they're going to be like, oh my god, he loves his sister so much. Loyalty is good. We should go rescue Yara. But no, he wins because he doesn't have any balls or a penis. So, you know. Well, he also wins because the other guy got tired of beating him up because he's out of shape. But you could say that he was just one bully who was maybe making everybody else act in a way that they would not have normally chosen to, and his uh, tendency to resort to dirty tricks during a fistfight, you know, is sort of a sign of that bullying tendency. And I guess that's what made him lose, is when his kick to the groin didn't work, he short-circuited and was just like, huh? (laughs) For like an entire three seconds, long enough for uh, Theon to totally turn the fight around. Uh, So what do you guys make of the current status of Jamie and Cersei's relationship. It's over. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's looking like that. But I think that Cersei would not have done it. She wasn't going to pull that sword out. And so, like, what did she plan to do next if he hadn't have walked away? She just would have stared at him for a while and been like, that's what I thought, and then walked off. <laughs> Basically, or she would have done some fake lovey-dovey shit like she always does be like i'm so glad you're staying with me jamie you're the only person i can count on but like in her letting him go does it does it prove that she still has like a tiny little bit of humanity left i think she was just really arrogant and she didn't really believe that he would write off she probably thought he was just storming off and that he would cool down and come back in a few minutes or something and he totally ditched Braun. yeah that's right I mean, maybe he scooped him up before he went. But, like, you see him, like, riding off by himself. Well, yes, but maybe he and Bronn had a conversation where he's like, you will follow me, like, in a few days, but for now we can't ride off together because 
it'll slow us down, and then we'll both die. What he said was, I have a really moody moment I need to have up on this hill, so if you could excuse me for one minute while the snows of winter fall upon my brow. <laughs> you know what would suck? If, like, Bronn and Podrick wake up the next day really hungover, and they're like, shit, everyone's gone. <laughs> oh, no. Well, didn't Podrick come down south with Brienne, so... Presumably, he would have been traveling back north with Brienne. Yeah. For all we know, Bronn probably decided to throw in his lot with Tyrion again, because remember at the beginning of the episode, Tyrion's like, whatever they're paying you, I'll pay you double. Although, my question for Tyrion at that point was, do you have two castles, Tyrion? Because that's what <laughs> Bronn wants, a fucking castle. Well, if they win the war, there's going to be tons of castles. <laughs> yeah, Bronn will, can have many castles. But I think that everybody knows Bronn's character so well by this point that they all probably have a line in the contract, which is like, if someone ever comes at you with that pay me double thing, you tell me and I will double that. And so Bronn's going to be stuck in a bidding war <laughs> with everybody in Westeros who needs a hired hand. I don't think so. Like, the bidding war will just be between Tyrion and Jaime. And now they're on the same side. Right. So now Bronn doesn't have anything anymore. He'll just get the lowest offer from Jamie and Tyrion because nobody else wants Bronn on their team. Which is <laughs> stupidity on their part because everybody should want Bronn on their team. He is kind of a dick, though. But an effective dick. Yes. Effective and affectionate. <laughs> the best kind. So what about thoughts on Euron? Euron was pissing me off this episode. I mean, he's always pissed me off since he was first introduced, but... Uh, basically, the moment the meeting started, and he's like, it's me, Euron, time for me to talk. <laughs> I just, I was so annoyed with him, and I get that he had a big twist, where he had to act like a dick so that he could leave and then secretly come back again, but... You believe that twist? Yeah, I believe it. It seems like some scheming Cersei would have set up. But I hope that Theon is the one to kill Euron. I feel like that's about right. In my notes... I said that Euron looked aroused when he saw dragons. Euron is just aroused by everything. I did think it was rich that Cersei, like, scolded Daenerys for being late. (laughs) That was a great moment. It was a stupid moment for her. It's like, once you point it out, you kind of open yourself out to weakness because you let everybody know that you're upset. Well, it's kind of like... Hello, we may be at war, but we are still civilized. Civilized people are punctual. Yes, but Daenerys has a dragon. That's no excuse. She should have been here before. Dragons are faster than ships. I feel like if you have a dragon, you can be late and no one's going to tell you that you can't be late. Yeah, that's sort of been Daenerys' business model thus far. If you have a dragon, nobody can tell you shit. (laughs) Or, you know... Cersei could have said you're late in a smarter way, as opposed to just straight up saying you're late. She could have been like, wow, now that we're finally here, we can get started. I don't know. I I liked it. I think more people should tell Daenerys that she is late, even if it's Cersei. More people (laughs) should just tell Daenerys that she's wrong. That's true. I do agree with you on that point. Daenerys is, she's got a big head. It's all those braids. (laughs) One thing I kind of regret, or that I wish was different, is that I don't feel there's going to be enough room in this final baby season for Daenerys and Cersei to have, like, a lot of conversations and really kind of play off each other as characters. Like, maybe, like, there will be one or two more conversations between them, but that even that's kind of a stretch. Yeah. At this point, I'm just counting down until when Jamie stabs Cersei. No, 
He's not going to stab her. He's going to strangle her with his golden hand. Damn. I mean, I guess that's that whole prophecy deal, but <laughs> I have such a hard time picturing that. I think it's going to be ironic in some way that we cannot currently foresee. You know, I don't think he's going to be like, Cersei, that was the last straw, and he's going to strangle her. I think it's going to be like they get into a struggle that he's kind of trying to protect her, but she's she's flailing too much, and, you know, he's got no choice, but he's got to, like, throw her to the ground or something, and then she'll be killed. I think she's going to attack him, and in fending her off, he's going to accidentally kill her. That's pretty likely, too. Yeah. But I don't think she would ever attack him. She would get Mountain Face to do it. Or it could be like the whites are coming and all seems lost and it seems more of a mercy killing. Which is kind of too good of a death for Cersei, but... Well, Cersei once had like a a mercy killing party, so maybe she's into that. I can see her doing that again where it's just like, Hello everyone, I've locked you in the room, have some poison wine on me. So there might be some like alternate ending where it's just like her and Daenerys like in a tower that the whites are assaulting and they're like, well, let us have a little chat and a little wine. <laughs> so earlier, Stacey, you said you liked Tyrion and Cersei's meeting? I guess. I mean, I liked it because Tyrion basically came out with the upper hand, as usual. Basically, he called Cersei's bluff. She's like, she's not going to kill me. She could have killed me already and she hasn't yet, so she's not really going to kill me. You know, I had a theory last week that it's possible that Tyrion would have cause to betray Daenerys. And when he went into that room, I was like, oh my god, it's actually happening. He's going to be forced to strike some kind of deal. He knows that Cersei is never just going to let this slide. And so he's going to have to say, okay, fine, I'll stab her in the back just in her moment of victory. You like that? That could still have happened because the conversation was cut off before we saw its natural conclusion. I was not happy about how the conversation was cut because I felt like the writers just couldn't figure out a way to make it work. So they're like, he discovers she's pregnant. And because she's pregnant, she wants to save Westeros. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Okay, guys, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> well, also, do you think Cersei really is pregnant? I mean, the scene kind of implied that Tyrion finds out by observing her body language. But do you think it's likely that Cersei is super good at being manipulative, that she did it on purpose to trick him into thinking that he discovered she's pregnant? But this isn't the first we've heard of this. She's now tricked several people, if this is a trick. Well, she's tricked Jaime and Tyrion. I don't think she can trick Quyburn or Kyburn. No, but what if she's enlisted him to help her pretend to be pregnant? Is that possible? Well, what's the point of pretending to be pregnant? to, well, in this case, to manipulate both her brothers. Because they're more likely to listen to her if they think she's being motherly and trying to protect her child, her unborn child. I mean, I think it's possible that Cersei is incorrect that she's pregnant, but I find it a little less likely that she would lie about something like this. Because I don't think she normally likes to be seen as somebody who is being weakened by a force outside her control. And if she's going to have to go through this war as a pregnant woman... I think that she thinks that's a worthwhile thing, but she would not want to be seen as a pregnant woman if she's not actually pregnant. So it really depends on how many people know that she's pregnant. All right, so I've asked this question before, but talk to me again about the Golden Company, guys, book reader friends. So the Golden Company was founded by Bittersteel, who was um, a Blackfire, and he's like one of the Blackfires that was like legitimized 
on his father's deathbed. Well, they're called the Blackfires, but they kind of thought they were Targaryens and they like wanted to rule. And in the books, there's this thing, and then Stacy, correct me if I'm wrong, where they have this promise that they will put our Targaryen heir back on the throne. So they're illegitimate Targaryens the way that Snows are bastards in the north or Sands are bastards in the north. And so they are descended from Targaryens. So their plan is to actually put a Blackfire heir on Targaryen throne because they carry Targaryen blood in them. Okay, I guess uh, we sort of talked about the history before, but what I don't understand is, like, are they going to be good enough to turn the tide of this battle for Cersei? No. I'm thinking that the only thing that they'll do is, um, you know, they'll come over and they'll fight for Cersei, and then, like, Daenerys slash Aegon Targaryen is gonna be, like, I'm gonna legitimize all of you guys, like, I'm gonna make sure you are the nobility that you always thought you were. And, like, win them over to Danny's side. Because, like, Cersei's just going to pay them. But, like, Danny might make them, like, landed gentry. Yeah, Cersei's whole plan to win this battle via money. It seems like there's a lot of problems that could go with it. Which, I thought, first among them was that the money was all burned by dragons. Secondly, like, if winter is coming, what can the money buy? There's going to be no crops, no food, nothing, because they squandered all of it during the war. I feel like Doran might be still growing stuff, like the very, very southern part. Well, speaking of winter, how do you guys feel about the action at the wall? The former wall. <laughs> First of all, they didn't even attack Castle Black. They attacked Eastwatch, which is close to the sea. So is, it, is the wall weaker by the sea? I guess... Maybe they had to go there to pull the dragon out of the water, and then they decided to just go in a straight line. Actually, it's also probably because they're like, we need a new set. We can use Eastwatch, because we already had a big battle at um, Castle Black. And also, Natalie, I noticed that the episode ended exactly as you predicted, which was the Night King riding the undead dragon off into the sunset, and just we're left asking, where is he going? But, like, do you think he's gonna just... He's like, you guys on the ground, attack Winterfell. I will continue on to King's Landing, and we will rendezvous at some point in the future, because I'm psychic, and you guys are all all like a hive mind. I don't think he's going to go to King's Landing or that far south so quickly. I think he's just kind of going forward to scout the area, maybe scare them with a dragon, blow up some shit so that it's easier for his zombie troops to come in and demolish everything. And then remember our, like, five-year-old Karstark and those other people? They're dead. Ah, I guess a lot of people are dead next season. So where exactly are Daenerys and Jon Snow sailing to? Are they going to sail to Eastwatch, or are they sailing to Winterfell? I thought Winterfell. Bran was like, they're coming. Right, and we have to tell Jon because he doesn't know. Oh, that's going to be such an awkward family reunion. First of all, here's my new girlfriend. Secondly, we're related. Oh my god. For Bran, like, knowing everything, he doesn't know, like, a lot. Right, the fact that he didn't know that Rhaegar and Lyanna got legally married. He's like, oh, so Jon's name isn't Snow, it's Sand. And Sam's like, no, it's not. It seems kind of like he's got the internet, but he's got to type it in and look it up, you know? <laughs> yeah. He has access to all that, but how could you possibly have internalized it all in such a short period of time? No, but it's also like, he's like a teenage boy where he's like, I know everything. And then Sam's like, but blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hmm. (laughs) 
speaking of which, at least Sam actually listened to what Gilly was saying about Prince Dragger. But he didn't give her credit. I know. He was like, I transcribed that. There was no evidence he even heard that information. Like, you know when someone's talking to you, but you're just not paying attention? That's the kind of reaction he had. It was not the reaction of, that's real interesting, and I have something to say about that later. But for now, let me interrupt. No, I think they always had him be the one who was going to drop that truth bomb. And it is possible that he could have been reading on his voyage up north, and he like comes across this information. And he's like, Gilly, you're not going to believe what I found! Yes! And then Gilly was just kind of like, yes, yes, you found this information, Sam. Good job. You're so smart and handsome and good, Sam. Yeah. Oh no, that sounds a little too much like Arya and Walder Frey. Um, so you guys, what was your overall opinion of this season? Now that we've seen all of its twists and turns unfold. Ultimately a satisfying season, but I think part of it is because I was I've been so frustrated for several seasons now, so all the chickens are finally coming home to roost and they're just like, oh my god, finally, I've been waiting way too long for that to happen. And some of it, it's like, oh, I'm so glad that that plot is done with and we don't have to bother with that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was a solid season. I didn't think any of the episodes were, like, amazing. And as far as I know, there there have been no new characters. I think... There's, like, some satisfaction in the story sort of winding down. Right. But, like, I'm like, oh, it was good. It was solid. It wasn't, like, particularly memorable. Yeah, like, it's maybe lost a little of the unpredictability that made the earlier seasons good. Because now you basically know what everybody's heading towards, sort of. There were some twists in this episode, though. I would say the season has been a series of really good scenes, but... Not a particularly strong episode. And I think they're leaning pretty hard on, like, a relationships that they've already established. And right. And they're like, oh, if we put these two characters together on screen, people will be happy. Particularly John and Daenerys. A lot of the season has been to push together this idea of, like, John and Daenerys are going to end up together. But I thought it was a lot of telling and not enough showing. Yeah, it all did have a flavor of fan service about it. But I guess it's hard to avoid fan service when we're this close to the end of a popular long-running show. Like, I guess that would be my assessment of this season, is that very fast-moving in a way that feels unnaturally paced and, you know, opens them up for a lot of nitpicking when it comes to things like timeline and character motivations. But I didn't dislike the season all excluding the thread of Arya and Sansa, which was wrapped up in such a satisfying way that I basically retroactively loved all the episodes leading up to it. I would say the Sam at the High Citadel plotline was kind of slow-paced and could have been shortened somewhat. Uh, so you, do you guys have any predictions for next season? <sighs> Arya and Gendry reunion. I need Arya and Gendry to see each other, and he's going to be like, where was the little girl back from season four? You're this murderous person now, and now I'm really sad. But you know, I think that um, this season was sort of setting up Arya to maybe go in that direction, but now she's sort of, she's taking a legitimate post at Winterfell. Maybe she's gonna she's gonna go straight, and when she sees Gendry again, it's gonna be more of a happy reunion. Right. 
So maybe seeing Gendry will like reignite all those feelings of like, I want to be Arya Stark again. Tracy, are you gonna bleep stuff? No bleeping. No bleeping? Okay, I think Winterfell's fucked. Because <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna sustain the White Walker invasion for an entire season. I feel like they're gonna hit Winterfell. Our heroes are gonna have to retreat and reform somewhere else. And it will be daring and scary and there will be lots of whispered conversations because they know how much we love one-on-one conversations that kind of rotate while people are walking in a line (laughs) yeah we do i think they're going to abandon winterfell but they have to go back later because there's some secret there that will help them defeat the white walkers and then i don't know what they're gonna do with the cersei storyline because she's too far away now from the action that they have to do something to kind of bring them back together. Because, like, there's not much for her to do except, like, drink, get pregnant, and, like, yell at people. I think possibly we will have scenes of Cersei in the South trying to consolidate her power, but there's... And she's going to have all these futile conversations with people who are just kind of like, why does this even matter? Like, we're going to die if the White Walkers come and kill us, and then Varys is going to be undermining her somehow. So who was VIP? Who was, like dumbass of the season. <laughs> okay, first of all, there is the stup- most stupid Lannister award. Do you Ooh. think it's Jamie or Tyrion? Jamie. Jamie. Tyrion has done the stupid like the most stupid things, but Jamie has only done one stupid thing, which was siding with Cersei for so long. Yes, but his one stupid thing has been going on since forever and yeah. has like larger consequences. But, like, Tyrion, as, like, a strategic mastermind, I think he's zero. Zero for, like, four or zero out of five. Like, <laughs> I think in terms of, like, military competence, like, Jamie has outwitted him. Right. Mm-hmm. And in, like, talking effectively to one's boss, he has also been doing very poorly. Mm, yeah, maybe I should, maybe I was too quick to give my word. Daenerys does not listen to Tyrion at all. So what's the point of naming him her hand? But it is true that he uh, curbs her worst impulses, as he said this episode. You know, I think she really might have gone with a more aggressive approach if she hadn't had somebody advising her otherwise, and really would have made a mess of her entrance into Winterfell or into Westeros. But at the same time, she didn't take Tyrion's advice on that. She took Jon's advice. That's true. Basically, it's like, why would I listen to you, Tyrion? And then Jon repeats the same thing. She's like, oh, you are so right, Jon. You're so smart. I'm totally going to have sex with you later. (laughs) Is that why Tyrion was standing outside their room making creepy eyes? I think there's also (laughs) an implication that he's also in love with her. But he knows he doesn't have a chance because... If Jon Snow was too short for her, what chance does Tyrion have? I think it would have been great if it was like, this would have never happened because this is not that kind of show. But if Tyrion and Jorah were just standing together (laughs) (laughs) in a darkened hallway, just being sad. They got a bottle of liquor between them. (laughs) And the ghost of Viserys as well, because he was creepy. Yeah, all the, oh, now I don't want to lump Tyrion in with all the creepy dudes, but you know, he was creeping <laughs> in that moment pretty hard. And looking very sad. And you know what? I don't know that I want to attribute that to him pining after her. I think he just understood that things were changing politically due to hormones in a way that he did not like. <laughs> yes, he just loves to serve her. Yeah, he believes in her. 
Oh, I had another thing that's unrelated. Elia is like probably the most unfortunate character on this show because she got like murdered and her kids got murdered. And her husband's second wife named their child the same name as her son. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, did she really have to die if they had just been a little more forthright about the annulment? And it is a good thing that Rhaegar is dead. Good thing Oberyn and Doran did not know about this. Oh, they would be so pissed. Oh my god, imagine if Ilaria found out. She's there in Cersei's dungeons watching her daughter rot. Bran was like, oh, Robert's Rebellion was based on a lie. But like, if it had come out, it wouldn't have been Robert's Rebellion. It would have been Oberyn's Rebellion. Well, I don't know. They seem to be very open-minded about marriage and sex and stuff. They would have probably been like, oh, that's fine. You know, just come home with Ilya. We'll take care of you. We don't care. Well, they're they're open about that, but I don't think they would be cool with the power thing. Where, like, we married you to Elia for a political alliance, and so her children would sit on the throne. Right. And that would strengthen Dorne. But nobody would have supported them if they tr- tried to overthrow the Targaryens, though. The whole point with Robert's Rebellion was that uh, the Starks went to King's Landing to be like, give us back our daughter, and Aerys burned them to death. And so all the other lords were like, fuck you, Targaryens! So, like, you don't think, like, Dorne would, re- would rebel and then the Starks would support the Targaryens and the Baratheons, who were still engaged to, like, Robert Baratheon was, like, still technically engaged to Lyanna. Like, the Baratheons might have, like, sided with the Martells. Well, the Baratheons don't really have much of a relationship with Martells. I think it still would have been a clusterfuck. It might have been a clusterfuck, but I don't think it would have dissolved into a huge rebellion where pretty much only Dorne and the Targaryens were fighting against everybody else. Okay, so do we have any final thoughts on this episode or this season of Game of Thrones? Yes, I was very sad with the ending shot of 1-1, marching with all the zombies. Aw, uh, yeah. That was a good friend to us, and now he's a zombie too. He's doing us a betray. <laughs> so, but that means next season we get may get to see, like, a lot of our dearly departed. Honestly, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> you know, like, oh, guess who it is? It's everybody. Remember how many deaths were in this show? Like, there were a lot, and now they're an army. Hooray! <laughs> also, do you think it's possible that maybe John is going to warg into our uh, zombie ice dragon? That would be interesting. But why uh, John? Why not Bran? Well, we know Bran can deliberately do it, but I think it's implied that John warged into ghosts when he was dead. So he probably can do it he just doesn't know how to control it also isn't it kind of implied that all three dragons are supposed to have their dragon riders yeah oh i liked that theory that ghost was a dragon rider <laughs> <laughs> no john is going to warg into ghost and then um, into the dragon and ghost is going to ride on top of that dragon can the starks all warg into each other one by one like russian nesting dolls <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they're all going to inhabit the same body. <laughs> and that's the Super Stark, and that is what will defeat the Walkers once and for all. 
Thanks for listening this season. If you enjoyed our coverage of Game of Thrones, please leave us a review on iTunes to help new listeners find us. If you have a question or a comment on our crazy ramblings on this episode, you can find us on Twitter at NBC Podcasts. For links to all the things we talked about today, check out our blog, midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com, where you can also subscribe to our newsletter, Wednesday Cafe.